Do you want to secure exclusive expert insight? We've commissioned a research piece with Shift Research to discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC. The finished report will give all B2B marketers across APAC a better understanding of how top firms are leveraging account-based marketing and the results they're getting within the region. We have a short survey you can access at xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey, which allows you to participate in this research. And your contribution is super important, even if you're not actively working on your ABM strategy right now. As a thank you for participating, we'll send you an early access version of the report and an invite to an expert Q&A webinar. To get started, head to xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. That's x-g-r-o-w-t-h dot com dot au forward slash survey and secure your early access to these valuable insights today. Each episode on Growth Connie, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fouls, and what's working with them in the market. If you enjoy this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join our community Slack channel at growthconnie.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. Enough from me, let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Nick Sheehan, CEO and founder at FX, about how to prepare your organization for a merger or getting acquired, especially in the B2B landscape. Now, this is the second time we're having Nick on the show, so I'm super excited to have this conversation. Nick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Shaheen. Thanks for having me back. Obviously, I didn't do a bad job the first time to uh, to get invited back a second time. It's probably uh, <laughs> it's probably uh, you know a, a tick the box moment for me, mate. So thank you for having me, mate. I I, I love our conversation. I, it, it's just so real and no bullshit, and it's just uh, it's just you 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 presented the way it is. So I love it. Well, we do have a very genuine. Yeah, we've always had a gen like it's a relationship we've always had. That's uh, I feel I feel like it's a very genuine relationship, mate. And uh, you know, I've got you know an interest in you know talking to you, and I'm, I'm sure you're the same. So it's uh, no, I, I do enjoy our, our our time together. Yeah, same here, same here. Now I know that there has been a lot of things going on at FX recently. Okay, and we're talking about kind of mergers and acquisitions in the B2B space. So I think it would be good to paint a little bit of a picture for, for people who are listening really quick of, you know, why we're having this conversation, which is mainly because of what's been happening at FX. So can you give us a quick, quick overview of like the past 12 months or so, what's been going on? So the business started in 2013 and, 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 and kind of grew through, grew organically, but then also grew through acquisition. So, so to do that, there's two very different skill sets that, that are required to, 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 you know, to maintain or to facilitate that growth. And I guess, you know, if you're going to grow through, if you're going to grow organically, that can be a very slow process. If you can grow uh, through acquisition, that can be a much faster process. Both things have their pros and cons, you know, and I think I've experienced all facets of the pros and the cons on on both. Look, for me, it, I got to the point where, you know, we we had grown uh, through both prisms. There is a point at which you know you you go and borrow money and you go and take on a little bit of equity uh, investment here and there. But there comes a point where, like, if you actually want the business to be, and I use this statement all the time, if you want the business to be the best it can be, 
almost like a child, right? Everyone wants, you know, that you want that all you want for your child is for it to be the best it can be. And I think a business is very much the same when you start a business. If you want the business to be the best that it can be, the, the self-reflection is you probably can't do it on your own. And I think that moment, you know, is is really critically important. And the emotional intelligence that comes with, you know, getting to that point is it takes time. And, it, and for some people, it's really quick. And for some people, it, you know, they, they never want to get to that point. But for me, you know, I'd certainly gotten to a point where I knew where the opportunity was. Uh, I knew what I needed to do, but I was, you know, I kind of got the place to a point where I felt we needed a bit of help to get to the next level and to to to, to let the business be the best it can be. So so um, we went down the path of of talking to uh, you know equity investors because you know I was very much aware that that relationship was kind of going to be like a marriage and and it certainly actually is like a a marriage. I'm not married, so not that I have my own personal experiences to draw on. But you know, the, you, the alignment that's required for that to be successful is so important. And I guess um, that that is where we got to. Was I felt that was the right path for FX. And then I guess the next step was okay. So how do we go about you know how do we go about procuring that relationship, or how do we go about getting our business to a point where it's ready for that sort of transaction? What do you think were things that you did? let's say, a, a, a certain number of years ago, let's say five years ago, that really sets you up for success or sets you up on the course to be able to, to accomplish something that, and, and look, I can't remember the numbers. I think it was $30 million that um, they, the, the PE purchased from FX. Is that, is that right? Sold. So basically, you know, we, I sold down 50% of the company you know, in a transaction that valued the business at, you know, circa 60 million bucks. Got it. So yeah, it was a big transaction for me. And, of course, you know, a massive a, transaction. Massive yeah, yeah. And the tra- transformational for the business and, and then as a founder, trans- transformational for me personally. But so what did you, what do you, what do you think some of the things that you did five years ago to kind of set you on this course and had a really crucial impact? Yeah, the biggest thing that we did was we made a decision back in 2018 to focus on growing up. And what I mean by growing up, you know, we went and we approached KPMG and we started we started on a path of getting, you know, audited on an annual basis by KPMG. So that process though, to go from being a small private company to being a company that goes through the rigor and the process and the level of certification, I guess, that you get to by being a private company that is audited by one of the big four makes you lean into the issues in your business, uh, you know, very fast. Because, you know, what those processes do is, is they shine a light on the things that you're doing really well, but they shine a light on the things that you're doing very poorly. And, the biggest mistake that we can all make is stick our head in the sand and say, you know, everything we do is perfect and, you know, we're great and all those things. Like every business needs to improve. And that process of us being audited in a financial sense from KPMG gave us the financial rigor that we could then demonstrate to banks and institutions and and institutional investors that that we had the we had the process and we had the maturity that we were we were a business that was you know worth investing in got it because i think the biggest thing is like you know there's a really big difference between 
being a business that, you know, gets Joe down the road to do your books. And then, you know, when you spend the money and spend the time and, and spend the, you know, spend the, um, uh, the headspace on actually focusing on compliance and focusing on growing up, you know, that for our business, that's just, that's really taken us to the next level. Can you paint us a little bit of picture? 2018, this happened. Like, what was what was the state of the company? And, you know, the, maybe the numbers that you can share um, in terms of maybe the number of employees, you know, what, 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 what state were you in when you kind of started talking to KPMG? We were like probably, probably 120 employees and we were probably going to turn over, probably going to turn over 50 mil and we were probably, you know, doing... You know, at that point, probably seven and a half to ten percent. You know, EBITDA on an earnings, you know, on an earnings basis. On it, so you know, we were we were probably a medium sized business. Mm. But I guess what you find is that we grew so quick that we were so focused on progress that oftentimes we would not have the level of process mm. that was required then for us to go to the next level. And so that was really for me starting to bring in some of those externals. What that allowed us to do was you've got to view the business not through your lens, but you've got to view it, you've got to understand how people view you. And that is for me, or that was for me, the catalyst for us to go on that journey because I wanted to be able to, you know, walk into any of these processes and just be really clear and confident and concise. On our numbers and our, you know, and, and how we formulated those numbers and the and the accounting standards and and all that stuff that ends up being a hurdle in a process if you don't get that shit right down here, right? So we got, you know, and it, and it wasn't like you don't just get these guys in and it's all cool. Like we had to go and work on a lot of stuff and fix a lot of stuff, and that's gr- that, that was great stuff. We learned a lot about our business. We learned a lot about how we recognize revenue. We learned a lot about. You know, and it upskilled our people. Our people upskilled through that process as well, and it gave us a, 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 a vernacular, a single language about how we spoke about our business internally. That we could, we were confident that we could demonstrate to externals that we actually know what we're doing. And that is, and and because you know, whenever you go through a process, they're going to bring in one of these guys. They're going to bring in, you know, BDO, KPMG, PwC. They're going to bring they're going to bring someone in to go through you, you know, with smelling salts. So. You want to be ready for that. And, you know, if you've got a bit of paper from KPMG or whoever it is that says, you know, we've looked at these guys, we're external, we've looked at these guys, and we think that what they are saying is is right, that's a huge step in the right direction. And, well, that for us was, a you know, the start of the, start of the journey with where we are today. Got it. Got it. So 2018 obviously was a big year. It was, it was, it sounded like a, it was a step change for Epic as, as an organization. Had there been other step changes, maybe after or before that? That was the biggest. So we did a we did a very big uh, merger, effectively a merger of equals in 2018, and and it was what it was. It was about I had identified that I really wanted to play in regional Australia, and there was a business that I, you know, we bought uh, through that transaction that was you know a big player in regional Queensland. So yeah, I mean, we went from I went from managing six, a staff of 60 to a staff of 120 overnight. Yeah, more so, you know, went from managing three or four locations to managing 10 or 12. And, you know, I hadn't had a lot of experience. At that stage, I hadn't had a lot of experience in regional Australia. So for me, it was a great, it was a huge learning curve, but, it, but, 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 but you know, I think played, you know, it certainly was a, a curve that 
played to my strengths, which was I, you know, I got out and spent a lot of time in the regions, understood what the drivers were for both staff and customer. That was, uh, I mean, our story and, you know, I explained to people and, and it's oftentimes I explain to people like with staff, like you get staff who like, you know, business grows and that put, puts pressure on like the supply chain and whether that's the staff, the customers, the systems, the cash flow, the, you know, there's a thousand things. But oftentimes the first place you see that stress of those step changes in staff. So, you know, I have these like, you know, you get staff come in and, you know, like, you know, I'm stressed and all these things and, and that, that stuff's all probably down to the fact that, you know, they're running a lot faster than they had before. We need to resource them better. We need to create better process alignment. We need to articulate things better. There's a bunch of reasons. But I think, and I explain this to staff, like this business is like a set of stairs. So what we do is we you go up and that's really painful and then you start going across and then and then it gets really boring and then we just start going up again and that gets really painful. So that's the process that I think most businesses go on. You you go between being in pain or being really and I say I, I mean bored as in like it's BAU we're just you know ticking along you know getting our results doing what we should do but ultimately if you've got a someone in your business like me who's got a bit of undiagnosed you know, ADD, at some point, I'm going to want to go up the staircase again because, because you know, uh, I, I, there's opportunity or there's, you know, whatever there is. So it's just educating people when we're going up that, like, you know, remember the last time we went up, we ended up plateauing out. You've just got to keep reminding people that it's not constantly up. At some point, we do plateau and things get normal again and, you know, we get back to, you know, a normal op- operating rhythm. But Guess what I've found is that most staff, when you explain to them in that sense, they they do relish that opportunity because I think a lot of people go to work every day and they, they're just bored shitless. And typically in our business, people are never bored. There's always great stuff going on. We're always moving. We're always innovating. We're always trying to be better. And um, people understand that that's not – that's just a point in – I heard this saying, it's like success is just a point in time. And that's really true. Like if, you, if you're not trying to be better, you're probably going backwards. So we just talk to our staff a lot about that. That's been helpful. So Nick, that's that's a little bit of the step changes in the business, right? But I also love to hear as a founder, the step changes that you went through and the kind of experiences you personally had when you were going through these. I, I remember we were chatting before and you were talking about the time that you went to the park. And I think you you, you mentioned you had taken a big loan. You said you said you weren't going to bring this up, you know. On, on did I? Did I? I, I, I don't know. I'm happy to talk about it. It's it's colloquially known in, in amongst my inner circle as the park incident. So I'm happy to talk about the park incident. But no, we'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. I, I, I no, I, no, no, no. That's real. I'm, I'm, it's not. It's not. Nothing's off limits. Like, and it, and you know what? If anything, like it, it just it, it gives people a bit of insight as to like. The, the vulnerability sometimes that we all life, we all yeah, have the life of a founder and, and I think it's, yeah. it, you know it's it it's just so inspiring but also I feel like uh, I can't remember if we said I'm not going to bring it up okay no but, no uh, we didn't no we didn't no 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 <laughs> I was just going to so uh, bring it up but it's but it's out now but you know I, I, this is one of the things that I, that I love about our conversations that it just gets super real and uh, but. You know, I mean that that was one example. I'd love to hear about kind of the the the, the step changes that you've gone through as a, as a person to get to 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 where you are now. Self reflection for me has probably never been one of my strong suits. Even now, like I sit here and you know we're an organisation of circa three hundred people. You know, we've got sort of twenty locations and and I don't I, you know I don't often sit and think about day one. But you know, day one was 
you know, I walked into an office that was 45 square meters. Uh, it was just me. I've actually got a photo, which I'll share with you one, one time. It was like, it was the night that I went in and set up the desks. You know, the night that I went in and set up the desks in North Sydney and it was just me and I was like, okay, so got to get going, you know. So Nick Sheen, you know, at that point in 2013 and Nick Sheen at this point in 2022, yeah, I'm probably a very different person. I don't think my core values have changed and I think that's been probably the secret to why we've been able to, you know, maintain such a great focus around customers and or clients, customers and staff. But you do change and and anyone that is out there that says they don't change is not telling you the truth because because the skills that are required to run a business when there's one person and the skills that are required to run a business with 300 people are two totally different things. And the self-awareness that's required to know what you're good at and what you're not good at at all those different junctures, so whether you're you know, at all those different step changes is just critically important to the business being successful. You know, there's things like managing your, managing your time. You know, managing time is is a is a huge one, and it's something that you know I've had to become very very good at. You know, managing my weaknesses and making sure that I've got people around me that are able to fill the gaps because there's a heap of stuff that I'm really not good at, and so I'm actually much more valuable to the company if I just spend time on things that I am. And then I think personally, the the the, the real thing to talk about, and and let's be honest, is like the the toll that these journeys take on other parts of your life, like you know, failed relationships and. You know, there's just things that happen and I look back, you know, not with regret, but there is times when I look back and reflect upon, you know, stuff that's happened in my life. And a lot of that has been around, I've just been so singularly focused on this that, you know, sometimes I've not been as great at maintaining and procuring relationships along the way because I read this, I read this quote, it was something like, you got, you got to expect that, you got to expect that the energy you expend in a certain area is going to have a deficit at some other part in your life. And it's so true. Like I meet so many wonderful people like in different walks of life. Like I mean, I meet wonderful husbands and fathers and I meet wonderful business people and wonderful what it like, but you can't like my view is this and it's going to be probably unpopular, but I'll tell you anyway. And it's, it's in my view, it's probably, there's a lot of truth in it. It's like you cannot be unbelievable at everything. If you want to be unbelievable at something, that is going to probably mean that you're going to have areas in your life that probably you need to tighten up. And I think that is very much true for me and very much true for most founders and people that are growth orientated. You know, you, it's unrealistic to think that you can be really, 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 really successful in one part of your life and be able to replicate that in every other part of your life. That That is no human being that will give you that assurance. I think it's a bit of an, it's the old iceberg theory, right? People just see what's above the iceberg, but they don't, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on under the water that's like, it's not bad. It's not, it's not murky. It's just, you know, it's just life. You just lose, you just lose stuff. You lose, like, you know, you've got to, I've got, you know, I get a call once a week from my mum. She's like, I'm still here. Like, why don't you call me? You know, like things that are, and they're actually important things, right? Like family is important. You know, friendships are important. You know, people are important, but you know, unfortunately, there is collateral damage that comes with success and there's collateral damage that comes with being singularly focused. I call them, there's plenty of red wine stories, right? Like there's plenty of things that, you know, you could, you could, <laughs> you could really cry, cry in your, uh, cry in your cabinet uh, on a Friday night over. But I mean, it's, uh, it's always, it, it's, it's always like everyone else. I think my life is, I focus a lot. I try and focus a lot on balance, but I think people that have a lot of balance typically sometimes aren't really good at, 
any one thing. And 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 so we've all we've all got our strengths and we've all got our weaknesses. And there is a human toll that comes with with growing something like this. And you've just got to accept that sometimes that's the case. I I, I totally understand what you're saying. Where you know you just said it so so succinctly. Where you where you spend energy in one area, you kind of start losing attention in some of the other areas. But then. Before that, you also talked about time management and how you started focusing on that. You know, are there are there ways or, or, or techniques or things that you would do earlier where you might be cutting out certain things in order to pay attention to some of the other things that are more important? How, you know, how have you changed that or modified that from a time management perspective so you can maybe not become perfect in all these areas, but be able to provide more resources to some of these i think you get to a point where you realize that you can't say yes to everything and if you do then you'll end up unfortunately letting a whole heap of people down so i think it's actually an exercise in working out what's most important to you and if you ask if and i get asked that question all the time like you know like and i can't even articulate it now like i'm not actually good as i said like i'm not actually uh good at that self-reflection piece about I'm probably okay at the emotional the emotional intelligence piece. Like I can tell you actually what I'm good at, and what I'm not good at. But I'm not really good on the self reflection piece on the the history and 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 if I made this adjustment, would this you know would this change my my course? But I think for me it was actually just working out what was most important. And those decisions can be and have been for me, you know, really yeah. painful. And sometimes it's meant you know that you know one especially I had there was one clear instance in my life where I. I had to make a decision between effectively make a decision between a relationship succeeding and me spending more time at it. and it's it you know it's painful it's it's like and I think I think it's this was 2000 and I don't know 6 16 16 17 wow, so it would have been like 17. early years of the business as well I think about probably 17 you know I think about it most days I don't think about it like I made the wrong decision clearly I probably haven't but like I think about it like and you know, I don't think you're human if you don't think about those decisions. But, but like, let's be clear, like, everyone in my position will have had to make those choices along the way. And it's not just, you know, in my case, it was a, it was a g- girlfriend, but it could be friendships. It could be, you know, lots of things. You know, it's, it's, it, we've all got 24 hours in a day and, and we've all got a discrete level of focus that we're able to give things and pick your poison. You know, unfortunately, being better at time management for me has been has had to start with me working out actually what's most important to me and being a little bit ruthless in that sense. And I don't mean ruthless like ruthless towards others. I just mean ruthless with myself. And then being, if that's your decision and, you know, as I said, pick your poison, being true to yourself and then, you know, being the best you can be in your, in your, in what you choose. You know, I, I think um, we all make decisions and then ultimately our decisions make us. So, you know, you you want to make you want you want to make. I mean, you can always change your course, and you know, there's always an opportunity that you know things change. And but I would encourage, I guess, from my history for me was that at that point in my life, you know, there was there was um there was two paths, and 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 the path that I chose, I still think about a lot, but it helped define where I spent my time, and therefore has probably contributed towards some of the success I've had. That is such a big component that a lot of founders or people who are starting or j- jumping on this journey might not not realize that the toll that it's going to take on on them from from in terms of their attention and their hours. What what would you say is important for kind of a a a founder to decide early on to have more clarity 
in terms of how they're going to navigate. Like how how would they, you know, they're in the first, someone that maybe they're in the first year, second year. How would you say, hey, you need to think about this like this? What what would that be in your opinion? I come back to this this point. You know, every business must have a critical point of difference, and that thing, whatever it is, and every business is different, and it changes. Like one year it could be X, and next year it could be Y, and that's okay because because markets change and people change and technology changes and the world geopolitically changes. Yeah, you know, like things change every day, right? So you got to be you got to be you, you got to be non negotiable on on the destination and negotiable on how you get there. So, so every year, your critical point of difference could change. But that's the thing that you got to keep coming back to because that's the reason they deal with you and not someone else. And I think what people forget is their secret source. So I think, you know, we've all got to work out what our secret source is. And then that thing has then got to dictate where you spend your time. For me, it was a lot about, you know, growth is about revenue generation and it's about, well, it's about revenue generation, right? It's about, it's about getting new customers. It's about getting... You know, it's getting new contracts. It's about you know being visible here or there. But 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 so for me, it was about revenue generation and growth. And our critical point of difference, one of you know, for me was like you know whether you deal with FX or you deal with the guy down the road, people only really remember the way you make them feel. People really, 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 really want to deal with people that have empathy and understand and that value partnership and that have a level of urgency, and there's all these little things that go into what I think is our secret sauce. So my, you know, my view and talking about a, a guy or you know, a girl who, who is a year or two into that journey, it's like I would be, try and be really defined about that because that will drive your activity and that will drive where you spend your time because once you break that down, you're then going to have a number of actions that sit under that because, you know, if you, if you, you know, I don't know, like if you, um, Whatever you do, you know, there's there's four or five things that will go into you being successful at executing on what makes you different. So I just think it's like working out what those four or five things are and then and then just being extremely non-negotiable in your focus on those four or five things. I think that's it. Like I like what we all do is actually pretty simple. Like business is actually pretty simple. There's a lot of people actually that like love making it complex, but it's it's actually not complex. Like I've actually like, you know, back to this KPMG stuff, like before 2013, like I'd never seen a balance sheet and I really couldn't, you know, I, that was all a bit, I'm able now to have, you know, we've got great people around me clearly and I'm, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a good numbers guy now, but um, that hasn't always been the case. So, you know, you will change, the business will change, your strengths will change and grow. And my, my, but my thing would be be non-negotiable on why would someone buy something from me and not from Joe down the road? Like if you can work that out and stick to that, you'll be successful. I feel like, you know, when you talk about secret sauce, I feel like a lot of companies when they start growing, they add water to the secret sauce. So it gets it gets it gets diluted that way rather than having a thick sauce that just grows in in magnitude. And at the end of it, it's just you have an aftertaste taste of the of the secret sauce. Good companies know what they do well and they double and triple down. Good companies know what they do well, and they just double and triple down. They're not everything to everyone. They just like I do this, and I'm just going to be the best at that, you know. And I'm going to own that market, and I'm going to be so strong and knowledgeable and resourceful, and 
they're, they're successful because, and oftentimes it's not sexy, you know, like yeah. really good companies are not sexy, but they, but they just, they just focus on that need in the market. They are the best in that market. You know, people come to them because of, of their attention and direction and focus. And uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be shiny, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be shiny. Nick, from some of our past conversations, and I think you even mentioned it now, I feel like one of your, your main strengths is the ability to sell and, uh, and, and maybe that sales and marketing kind of uh, side of things. When did you kind of realize and what was it that you realized that you need to bring on board that was outside of your, I mean, KPMG is 2018, so it's, you know, it's a bit further out. You've, you've grown the business to a certain degree, but what were some of the steps before that? Do you like, you know what, we really need to build this thing. And now I realize how much more important it is. And I'm really not the person I can't get my head around it. What were some of those facets of the business that, that, you know, you start to slowly, slowly realize that need to be built? The first thing, the first bit of self sort of evaluation I did was work out that I'm actually not a bad leader, but I'm a really, I'm actually not a very good manager is the truth. And they, there actually is a difference. You can be a great leader and not be a great manager, and you can be a great manager and not be a good leader. And I think for me, it was working out that management or the managing of individuals on a micro basis, it doesn't mean micromanaging them, but just, you know, that's not, that's not my cup of tea. So I'm really great at articulating strategy. I'm really great at execution. I'm really great at getting shit done. I'm really great at cutting through the rubbish. I'm really great at selling and talking to customers and articulating strategy and values. And But like, I don't want to sit down and do, you know, performance appraisals with staff. I don't want to sit down and have hard HR discussions. I don't, it's, that's, that's, so it's, it, for me, it was that, you know, and it was about as a growth business, it was so important for me to, to get people around me that were able to manage because because if if you don't have structure in your business, you know the wheels will fall off. Now I got you know we, 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 as a business we're very non-hierarchical, so we you know we've got a, a, a yeah you know, we're CEO, we've got a CFO, we've got a COO, we've got a, a chief technology. All these people who have got really fancy, lovely titles, but none of us are ego driven or egotistical. None of us believe our own bullshit, and I think those people sort of sit around me and just allow me to just run really fast and do the things that I'm good at but equally they put the structure and the process in place that that allows me to to and the the key thing is right I've got five call it five reports like me managing five senior reports is pretty easy because if they're any good with a weekly catch up if they're any good like the reality is right if you're getting paid more than 200 grand you should be able to self you should be able to self select like you shouldn't need micromanagement yeah, or to call it 200, 250, like the number, whatever the number is. The number's not important, but if you've got a C next to your name, like it's really about agreeing with those people on outcomes and then just roadblocks and checking in. And, and as long as we're all communicating and articulating things correctly, it's not management as such, you know, and I think um, for me it was just working that out for myself, taking myself out of that management layer getting good managers in the business, allowing me to a lot of the times be the good guy, you know, and which I enjoy. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't mean I have hard conversations. Like I'm not one like I'm not one for walking away from conflict or, you know, I have hard conversations every day. Like, you know, it's like there's days I go home and it's a brutal day. You know, it's uh, well, you know, we just have good days and bad days, yeah, you know. It's you. that's normal in life whether you whether you're digging holes or you, you know, yeah. whatever you're doing. It like it's not there's no no one's immune from having a bad day and 
And um, I guess for me, you know, I, I still have to have hard conversations and I still have to be direct and I still have to give feedback and I still, you know, have to maintain a focus on the outcomes and that with that comes having good and bad conversations along the way. But but I just try to make them constructive and I typically don't manage into the detail with C-level people because if I have to, they're probably not C-level people is the truth. What was the first senior hire that you had to bite the bullet and you're like, oh my God, how much am I paying for salary? What was that? Like, tell me about that. Yeah, it's funny. I We've got, so of the that group of five, I've been so fortunate that three of those five have been on the journey for a long time. And so they probably started out doing everything and then as we grew, they were able to specialise and, you know, get closer to a particular area of interest or a particular strength of theirs. So, you know, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be applicable uh, as such. But, you know, a couple of years ago, about 12 months ago, I hired a chief operating officer and that was a very important hire to me because that person effectively takes me out of the day-to-day. Now, I'll never be out of the day-to-day because, I, you know, I mean, every, I, it's my nature to want to be, to understand what's going on. And it's also my job, obviously, to understand what's going on. So you're never out of the day-to-day, but certainly this person, the role of the operating officer is to take the CEO out of the hand-to-hand combat. And so, I mean, that was a big high for me because that's scary. For any anyone in, I guess, my situation, or you know, if you're a founder or if you're a CEO, because you just, you know, you work so hard on a value set and what the business should look like and what the people should look like and how we talk to each other and how we talk to customers. Like, if you make a wrong decision there, like you're in all sorts of trouble. Like, you really like that. That is hugely detrimental to your business because that person does have, have a huge influence on a lot of, you know, a lot of the reporting tree and structures, and you know, they are the day to day facing the business of, of good decisions and bad. So decision I made, and for me, it was a great, you know, I knew this person for, you know, I had a, a, I had a natural level of comfort with them. Our personalities uh, are very aligned and we have a very respectful, open, he's a bit of an older brother to me in some ways and he's got a bit, a bit more gray hair than me, so that, that helps. But but and he'll, if he's listening, he'll I'll probably get a message at some point. But the key thing is like, you, you've got to have that closeness. And for me, it's worked out. If you go back, would you make a hire like that earlier or you think, you know, that at the point you made that hire, that was that was the right time? I'm just, you know, from... Yeah, no, great question, great question. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd make it earlier. Why is that? Because he has brought so much value to the place and he has such a different skill set than me, I couldn't do his job. Why? Why do you think you didn't? Because as the business grows, the things you reflect on change. What do you mean by that? Well, when you've got 100 people and when you've got 200 people and when you've got 300 people, that they that requires different skill sets at every – like if you've got 100 people, they really probably want to hear from me every day. I'm just um, – maybe they don't, but I'll just use that statement. But when you've got 300 people, the business actually becomes a lot less about me and it becomes more about us. And from a journey perspective, every founder is on that journey to actually not make the business about you. Mm. Because back to M and A discussion, right? If you've got a business and it's all about you, you know what it's worth? Zero. Nothing. Yeah. Zero. Well, it's not worth zero. You get my, but you understand no, my I, point. Not, like, it, the, the, you, you have not created anything that that works if you get hit by a bus. You, you, all you have is what's in your head, or what you have is is IP, or what you have is is not a business. 
it's a dictatorship. And, you know, you, you've got to create a business. A valuable business is not reliant on any one person. And for me, when we, where I got to with our COO was that was the right time for me to – it happened when we were going through a lot of M&A activity. I was buying things and trying to do all sorts of stuff. So it took me, it took me away from the business. But that hire made the business less about Nick Sheehan. And that is so, so important. And it's a critical building block that everyone's going to go through at some point where you've got to work out that you're that guy or you're not that guy and guy, girl, whatever. But having the courage to make that decision, it's a big, that's a big leap because you take, there's a lot of control you give up. There's a lot of relevance you give up. Yeah. It's not, that's not a binary decision that you can make overnight. But for me, it was the probably the best decision I made in the business because Culturally, it's been amazing and it's, al- it's allowed the business to become a lot more holistic and I'm still you know, ultra-involved and, I'm, you know, I mean everything, but, but as I said, it's like we've got a lot more – I've got more tools at my disposal from an execution perspective. We get a lot more done. Last question that I want to ask is, and it's kind of related to what we already discussed, is in hindsight, if you would go back – what are some of the decisions that you would make differently or some of the decisions that you would make, period, to kind of push FX even further forward? What, what, I mean, we talked about the, you know, the chief operating, uh, the COO role that might have been something that you might have done earlier. Are there other examples that you like, you know what, we should have done this at that, that point or we should have done this differently? Get the best question for last, didn't you? Oh, I just had to. Or, or, or the answer is, you know, man, we're just going so nah. quickly. We don't have time to think about the past. All right. So- There's a bit of that. There's a bit of that. You know, we do grow very quickly. You know what I would have done? We have an extremely, extremely experienced. We've always had, you know, great HR staff in the business. And I say that very, you know, genuinely. We've been very lucky to have caring, great people on the way. We were in a position where we hired a very senior HR person. People and culture, they call it these days, Shaheen, not HR. Yeah, yeah. And that has made an immeasurable impact on our business because she, what does she do? She has such an influence on the temperature gauge at an individual level and that for us, I mean, I mentioned the COO hire, but also someone, you know, if you've got a if, if you've got a growing group of people and you've got and you're managing people across a lot of jurisdictions, geography like we are, having someone that's able to gl- keep everyone glued together is is a very, very, very good thing. And what it has meant for me is that I don't have to be that you know, I can still have those conversations, you know, those those pastoral care conversations, I can still have them, but to have others in the business that are able to talk to people about things that don't involve what they do between nine and five, that's something that I probably would have done a long time ago. And the thing with acquiring businesses is what you acquire is you acquire a lot of good stuff, but you also acquire a lot of shit. And and what that person, if it's the right person, helps you to do is to kind of- Sift through that. Uh, and I say shit, I don't, I don't mean people no, as such. No, I, I just mean like, like everyone's got baggage. Every, every person's got baggage. Every business has got baggage. That person allows that process to be so much more linear because it's it it is about getting around and and bringing in and and you can't do that on your own. You need a you need a team and um, 
and to get someone that from a, from a people and culture perspective that has a real feel on pulse for me has been very, very, very successful. Nick, this has been another awesome conversation. I mean, this was this was a you know we went up and down, left and right. We're talking about you know, we're talking about relationships. I mean, you know, but, well, you know, this it's, is it's like really funny. I, I, Doctor Phil or something. No, I, I think it's it's really amazing where this conversation went, where we were talking about mergers and acquisitions, and what it really came down to, it came down to people at the end of it. And I just finished this reading this book called Who Not How. Which, which talks about Dan Sullivan, you know, he talks about how we gotta, you got to change your mindset from thinking about how do I do this to who should do this and who do I get involved. And this conversation was so amazing that we went from, hey, financials need to be sorted to boil down at the very end of it to it comes down to people and it comes down to the people that are on your team and, and are contributing to, to the vision of the organization then and where it's going. So I think it was a, it was a really cool journey that, uh, that you kind of took us. So I, I, I really appreciate it. I, you know, I, I, I love our conversations and I'm, I'm so glad we had you on the, on the podcast again. We're running out of subjects for the next one, mate. So we're going to have to maybe we'll have to give it give it a little while before we do another one, so we can we can sort of. I don't know. I think I think we can we can we can uh, we can come up with something. But no, so look, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast again, Nick. Thank you so much uh, for for your time and uh, and and all the insights. See you soon. Good to speak. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one.